In the waters of baptism, we are lovingly adopted by God into God's family, which we call the church, and given God's own life to share and reminded that nothing can separate us from God's love in Christ. All people of any age are welcome to be baptized. We believe in one baptism for the forgiveness of sins as the bond which God establishes in baptism is indissoluble. That's from our Book of Common Prayer, page 298. As you might have noticed, our readings this morning focus on a common and at times very complicated theme, baptism. So for some clarity, now would be a good time to wade into these waters together. So for some clarity and some hope is that we will shine some light on the water, so to speak, because baptism at times is one of those liturgical, even theological hurricanes that gets folks in church a little churned up with confusion. And I think I might be out of my water jokes at this point. Did you notice how such a tiny portion of Acts chapter 8 was given to us today? Just four verses, three little sentences. Rachel and Stella were barely at the podium, and then they were done. So perhaps some context might help. Let's know that the eighth chapter of the book of the Acts of the Apostles opens with a situation that is truly terribly bad for the new Christian community. Saul is literally doing everything he can to destroy the church and its new members. The apostles are scattered all over the place. Stephen has just been stoned to death. Beautifully, though, despite all of this apparent chaos, the work and the ministry of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ is still happening. Just a few verses earlier in chapter 8, we would have heard those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. We learn now that the apostle Philip is down in Samaria. He's doing amazing work, baptizing both men and women, so much so that John and Peter are dispatched to go help him out in Samaria. That's what brings us to our four verses for today. Let's listen again to verse 15. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Only baptized? Those two words might make us want to say, what? Only baptized? Isn't baptism the whole thing? Like the whole thing that happens so the Holy Spirit dwells in the baptized person? Here's another translation from NIV. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Simply been baptized? I'm not sure that's any better in that translation. And I'm sure glad the story doesn't end there because only one verse later we hear this morning. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So that's better. These folks we hear about today are getting baptized, and they're not just infants. We know they're fully grown people. But it's important here to note that nowhere in the Bible does it mention that baptism must be the testimony of the person being baptized. I just mentioned that Philip was doing such a great job preaching the good news of God's kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ and that men and women were being baptized. So now this is inference, but I think it makes sense. 
So hear me out a bit. Men and women are being baptized. And while there's no specific example of anyone born to Christian parents being baptized in the New Testament, there's plenty of examples of whole families that are baptized. And I figure, I believe, that families often have children. Families often have babies. We have so much evidence of Jesus loving and accepting and blessing infants and children. We're even told that we must be like little children to enter into God's kingdom. So there may be some out there who think there's no room at all for an infant baptism, even with parents and godparents, even with a sanctuary of active witnesses to make the profession of faith, agreeing to pass that faith along to the baby. But I disagree. I believe there's plenty of room. I believe that God is inclusive, and I'm very glad that our church, our Episcopal church, our faith tradition is big enough to encompass baptism for all ages in this sacrament. But let's remember, though, really remember, that baptism itself, water and word, is a statement by God through the church to and about the person being baptized. It's not a statement entirely by that person. That means, then, we're the ministers of Christ, you and me. We're acting on his name as his disciples did. I want to remind you just a bit this morning about John, that person we heard from again, John the what? John the Baptist. John the Baptist who professes to those crowds gathered at the Jordan River in the middle of the desert, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I know I've talked a lot about John lately, but he really is a fascinating figure in scripture, and in our tradition. He's countercultural. He's completely immune to censorship of the day. He's very candid. He always takes the spotlight off of himself and places it squarely on Jesus. You might not have noticed, but our gospel this morning skips from verse 17 down to verse 21, just to keep that baptism thing going. That's when we have the account of Jesus himself being baptized I'll bet many of us are familiar with this story. We can see it in our minds unfolding. We've probably seen it represented on cards and in movies and in posters. Jesus is baptized, and he's praying, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove, and that voice from heaven says, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Only two of our Gospels have this account of Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan, Matthew and Luke. John's account doesn't give us the event of the baptism, but emphasizes the same effect, that the Spirit of God descended and anointed Jesus. There is that part, though, where John the Baptist tries to get out of dunking Jesus in the Jordan River. Do you remember him saying, I'm not worthy, earlier? Matthew is the only Gospel to mention this. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 14, John is reluctant. He claims, I need to be baptized, but you come to me? John knows full well that this sinless man in front of him is not in need of repentance. John is uncomfortable with the situation, but Jesus chose to be baptized. In Matthew's account, he tells John, let it be so. Why do you think Jesus chose to be baptized? 
I would suggest two reasons. One, with this important act of submission, Jesus boldly and clearly establishes his identity. I don't think we could miss that voice from heaven, the dove. It's pretty clear from the, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, that our Savior's identity was fully established that day. Secondly, Jesus is not only identified, but he's baptized to identify with us, with you, with me, with all baptized people. Yes, Jesus was fully man and fully divine and sinless, but not without compassion and not without that boots-on-the-ground understanding of what it means to be a human being just like you, just like me. This morning, we see Jesus' baptism as the inaugural act in his ministry of the ultimate obedience to his God and Father, fulfilling everything that was expected of him, all righteousness, even to his earthly death. But let's also remember that at the very end, when all is said and all is done, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he'll offer his final and parting words to his disciples, and in that moment, he will specifically commission them to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So along with baptism, those disciples and you and I are commanded to teach, and most importantly, here at the end, to remember Christ's gentle assurance. Remember this, I will be with you, he says, always to the very end of the age. Thanks be to God. Amen.